Good morning, City Church. Put your hands together. Come on. We've been talking about fighting, fighting for your family, and I want to welcome you this morning as we have Family Feud right here. Come on. Will you give, to my left, your right, the Lycos family, a big round of applause this morning. And to my right, your left, will you put your hands together for the Pomales family this morning? I'm your man with a plan. My name is Steve Harvey. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Steve couldn't make it this morning. I'm actually, uh, they decided to uh, call the second best person, um, and they weren't available either. So here I am this morning. I'm your host for the Family Feud. Uh, let's put your hands together and get started. Come on. So starting with the Whitehorse family, uh, I'm just going to go down the line. If you can just share your name with us, and uh, we'll get started. My name is Doug. Awesome. Welcome, Doug. Hi, I'm Robin. And Robin. Justin. Justin and? Jenna. Awesome. Give it up for the White Horse family. And over here we have? Diego. Welcome, Diego. Good morning, my net. Good morning, my net. And? Diego. Diego squared, ladies and gentlemen, if you weren't counting. And? My net. No, just kidding. My, ne <laughs> my name's Natalia. Awesome. Give them a hand. All right. <laughs> So, Doug, Diego, if we can join together here right in the middle. Uh, you guys know the rules. You each have one chance, one shot, one opportunity to buzz in and answer the question. If you get it right, you're going to hear a beautiful ding noise, and uh, you get the points for your team. If you hear it wrong, you're going to hear an That means you got it wrong. The other, There you go. That sound. You don't want to hear that. It actually gives the other team an opportunity to answer that question. Once you go... Each member of your family will go, and at the very end, we'll throw up all the points. Are you ready? Come on. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. Here we go. Family feud, city church style. All right. Hands on the buzzer. We've surveyed 100 people, 100 crazy, insane people. No, I'm just kidding. 100 people. Name something kids can get away with that adults can't. Diego. Lying. All right. Let's see. All right. Doug for the steal. Uh, running. Running. Let's see. Running in the house. Okay. Let's check it out. Survey says running. No. All right. Go ahead and find your places. Here we go. My net. Robin, here we go. Name something kids can get away with, but adults can't. Okay, we have a tie here. Let's try this one more time. Name something. Okay, all right. <laughs> Just jump right on that buzzer there. Okay, so name something that kids can get away with that adults can't. Breaking something, all right. Survey says. No, breaking something. Okay, Robin, you have a chance to steal the point here. Picking their nose. Throw it up on the board here. Do we have picking your nose? Yeah. There we go. All right. So, Team Whitehorse has a point. Picking your nose. Here we go. Diego, Justin, name something kids can get away with that adults can't. All right. Justin. Trashing that. Now, did you get away with that? <laughs> did he get away with that? All right. So it's trashing the house on the scoreboard here. Trashing the house. Okay. Diego, chance for the steal. Bad table manners. Okay. So you got away with bad table manners. All right, so bad table manners. Do we have it? Oh, okay, all right. Here we go. So they've been, they've been planning. They've been strategizing. It's down to you two. All right, here we go. Name something kids can get away with that adults can't. Jenna. 
not eating their dinner. I've never missed a meal. All right, here we go. <laughs> okay, a chance for the steal. Talking back. You got away with talking back. Okay, all right. So let's try talking back. Oh, okay, all right. So, hey, let's do this together. Can we throw the answers up on the board here? Number one is passing gas. <laughs> Number two is running around naked. I suggest you do not do that. <laughs> Number three is picking their nose. We got that one. Number four is peeing their pants. I mean, come on. Come on. All right, and number four is throwing a tantrum. All right, here's the score. We've got, what was it, one or two? We've got one for the White Girls family. They are our winners. Will you put your hands together for both families this morning? And thank you for playing The Family Feud. Part three, Family Feud. Oh, that was awesome. They did a great job, didn't they? Hey, uh, we want to welcome you to City Church. If you're watching on live, and actually today we launched Facebook Live. You, if you have your Facebook, just, just take a little social media moment. If you got Facebook, just open up your app. You can go on there and share it with your friends, and they can actually check out our service while it's taking place right now. I just went on a few moments ago backstage there. There were 17 people watching right now. And then I looked a little farther down, and Steve, Stephen Furyk had 4,500 4, watching right now. So we've got a little ways to go, but you can share it with your friends. You can check it out online if you're not able to be here on a Sunday. But, hey, we're really honored that you're with us today. There's a big red tent out there. If you're new here to City Church, we would love an opportunity to meet you today. We can, you can just join us back there underneath that tent. We can get some information from you and give you some information about us. At City Church, you've been around here now for a few weeks, a few months, and and you're saying, you know what, this feels like a place that I want to call home. This, this is a place that I want to make my church family. Growth Track is your next step. Growth Track 1.0 starts the first Sunday of every month. It's where you learn about our vision, our values, who we are, our doctrine, what we believe, and where we're going. And I would encourage you to be a part of that. And then always, small groups. We are a small group church you got to be in a small group. If you're going to get connected with God and connected with God's people and grow in Him, small groups is the place for that to take place. A lady came up to me at the tent uh, right after the first service. She said, I, w I came to service last week. I went to two small groups this week. She goes, my life has never been the same. She goes, the stuff that I, I, the way I got ministered to in my small group was just life-changing for me. She said, thank you. Thank you for making that available. So I would encourage you to do that today. Hey, we are in part three of the fight. The first week we, we talked about marriages, and Pastor Glenn talked about that, and him and Natalie came out and had a little kind of UFC thing going or MMA thing going there, but they came out and they talked about how to have a successful marriage. And last week I talked about a topic that I've never talked about here before, the blended family. And uh, if you are part of a blended family, large percentage of people are, and you weren't able to see that, I would encourage you to check that out. We actually made a little smoothie. We did a little blending up here, and it was a lot of fun, but I believe the truth of that message will change your life. Today, we're talking about raising champions for God. Raising champions for God. Here's the deal, guys. Here's the deal. If you don't fight for your family, no one else will. 
If you don't fight for your family, no one else will. Our theme verse for this series is found in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14. I want us all to read it together off the screen. Can you do that with me this morning? Let's all read this scripture verse together. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. We've been given a great assignment. A great task by God as parents. I want to see how many of you are parents or grandparents in the room today. How many parents? Okay, wow. Large percentage of people in this room. And if you're a young adult and you're not married yet, don't have kids, it'll just be a matter of time. It'll just be a matter of time. And I've found people uh, that have become, that have in, ended up becoming parents later in life. So you never know what's going to happen in your world. But I want you to know today, we have a responsibility as Christ followers to pass this on to the next generation. I am passionate about this. I, I, I wake up every morning and do what I do because of this one thing. My desire is not only to see my kids, my two boys, and future, my future grandchildren become champions for God. My desire is to see your kids and your grandkids. It's what drives me. It's one of the motivations of why we started City Church. Because we believe children are not only the hope of the future, but they're the hope for today. And so I am committed to this. We're committed to this as a church family. And I want you to know today we have a great assignment from God. We've been given a great job description by God as parents and grandparents. And that is our, our job is to make to do our part in making our kids champions for God and in teaching them how to love God, love people, and fulfill the purpose for which he's created them on this planet. That's our role. Our, our role as parents is to come alongside of them and to equip them to do those very things, to love God with all of their heart and to love people, and to find their place on this planet in an act of service. And we do those, I tell you what, our lot, not only will our lives better, but our future is looking bright. And I want you to know today, based on what I see what's taking place here at this church, this county, this city, is looking bright. Because the God that we serve, the Bible says that where is darkness, grace is even greater. I believe today that City Church has been called to change a generation and to raise champions for God. Someone said, amen. So here's the deal, guys. Here's the challenge. So we got this task. We, what, is this, what does a champion for God look like? Well, champion for God, they love God. They love people. They're fulfilling their mission in life. But I, I've noticed, I've noticed over the years, I've noticed that there are some things that we can do as parents that can derail that, that can really hinder our children from growing and becoming the champions that God has created them to be. Uh, one of the things that I see happen in some parents is they become very permissive. Permissive parents are what I call parents who just, they really want to be their, their, their child's friend more than to be their child's parent. They have a, their own internal insecurities, and so they, they try to bribe their child. They try to beg their child. They try to plead with their child. Even when they're really, really, really tiny, they're, they're very permissive. They're, their kid's just a hellion. Every, no one else can stand being in the room, and they just sit there and watch the child roll over the table at McDonald's and throw stuff at the store, uh, walking down the grocery aisle. And everybody else is like, wow, get me away from that kid. But the parent just doesn't have the ability within them, and they're, they're permissive in their understanding of the role of what a parent is. The next one is a dictator parent. A dictator parent is, you know, that kind of, it's the drill sergeant parent. My way or the highway. When I say jump, you say, how high? 
I mean, a dictator parent, the challenge of the dictator parent, although their motives might be good, they haven't established the relationship. And when you have rules in a family without that bond of love and relationship, it leads to rebellion. It leads to rebellion. And a lot of kids that have grown up in homes with a, the a parent, or maybe both parents, were, were very strict and very structured and very disciplined. And they were trying to create a perfect child. And I want you to know today, it's an impossibility. It's an impossibility. There's so much pressure on our kids to perform today, to get into the right schools and to be on the right team and to get scholarships. And parents many times put these kind of parameters and structures and, and rules on their child. They become very dictator kind of, uh, kind of led families. And that family has a, that child has a very difficult time measuring up and meeting those standards. And my goal isn't just to get my child to obey when they're with me. My goal is to see my child obey when they're not with me. And many times that doesn't take place in that kind of family. Then there's the uninvolved parent or the absentee parent. And for lots of reasons. Sometimes it's because of divorce. Sometimes it's a result of a person's own hurts or habits or addictions or psychological issues. They're so stuck in their own world that they really can't even focus on their kids. And I've seen that happen. I've seen parents who really have, have no idea what's ha- who, their, who their kids' friends are, who have no idea what's going involved in their school, their activities. They, they really don't know their child. They haven't taken time to study that child and to learn who they are. And that uninvolved parent will, will lead a, leave a child that has insecurities emotionally, instability, not really knowing who they are, trying to search and find their own way. And the last one is what I believe God's called us to be, gospel-centered parents, gospel-centered parents. And the gospel-centered parents is the balance with, with truth, the structure, the authority, understanding who you are as a parent, that you are the parent. You do lay down the guidelines and the rules and the parameters for what your family looks like. But there's a heavy dose. There's an incredible amount of love. There is grace. The Bible says mercy triumphs over judgment. And in a gospel-centered family, the goal is that child has its own personal relationship with Christ. That The, the goal in that relationship in a gospel-centered family is that that parent comes alongside and recognizes that their role and their responsibility is for a short period of time. As a parent, you've been, you've been given the responsibility, the job description for a short period of time and to release your child into a world where they are confident in God. They understand who they are in him. They don't have it all figured out, but they're pointed in the right direction so they, so they don't live lives that are bummers. They don't cause other people's lives to be bummers, but they live a blessed life and they live the best life that God has called them to. And I believe this morning that we can do that. I believe that God has called us to live that kind of life. Did I show the pictures of my kids yet? Well, you got to see those. I can't do that. All right. Here's my boys when they were really little. And uh, this is Austin and Keenan. Austin had to be about five and a half here. And Keenan was just a little tight there, maybe 10 or 11 months old. And why don't you put the next picture up? It's one of our favorite pictures here. That's back, back BC day or BH days, back when I had hair days. <laughs> you know, it's business in the front, party in the back, right? All right, put the next picture up. Just throw a couple more pictures. Here's our very first business card. And uh, I actually made this, I remember, on Power, on Pub, Publisher, Microsoft Publisher. And uh, that was my handiwork there. Our boys were eight and three when we first moved here. What's been really cool is to watch my kids grow up in God's house. 
which has been really cool to watch my kids over these years and to see the things that I'm talking to you about today bear fruit in their lives. I'm talking to you from personal experience. I'm t- this is my, my son with his beautiful, beautiful wife, Paula. They were married last August, and that's Austin, and, and that's Paula. And I think you got another picture. Is that it? That's good. There's our family. That's our new family, our new addition, our new daughter there. And we're just so honored today. We are so blessed today. I got, you got to hear me today. We're not perfect parents. I'm far, I am far from it. I've been disengaged. I've made mistakes. I haven't done it all perfectly. But I've been passionate. I've been passionate about seeing the reality of God not only in my life, but in my kids' life. And what we're talking about today, I can tell you, if you apply it, it works. If you apply the principles that we're going to teach today on raising champions for God, it will work in your life. I read a statistic lately. George Barna did a study and said that 70% of Christians say that they feel like they need help in raising their kids. But of that 70%, only 30% actually took the time, actually took the time to take a class, to read a book, to learn how to improve themselves to become better parents. So here's the deal. If we are going to raise champions for God, it starts with us. So you got a little handout this morning. It looks something like this, fight for your kids. And the very first letter, the word we're going to spell this morning is champ. Everyone say champ. And the very first letter is committed to live a Christ-centered life. The first responsibility, the first person, if we're going to see our kids become everything that God has created and called them to be, it starts with us. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, Paul tells Timothy, keep a close watch on your life. Everyone say, keep a close watch on my life. Keep a close watch on your life and on your teaching. Stay, stay true to what is right for the sake of your salvation and the salvation of those who hear. Your kids want you to be your champion. Your kids want you to be their champion, to be their hero. Every little child, every child wants their dad to be the best, to be their mom to be the best. I remember as a kid, I remember having this this conversation in first grade with one of my buddies. My dad can beat your dad up. Now, I don't know if that was true or not, but my dad was a bad hombre. He was bigger than me. He he was just, he liked to fight when he, I didn't like to fight. I was a lover, not a fighter. My dad was a fighter. But, but I can tell you inside of my heart, I wanted my dad to be my hero. Your child wants you to win. Your child wants you to live a blessed life. It's inside. It's hardwired inside of them. Every person here, your child today has a desire. They're, they're looking to you to be their example. You see, your kids will do not what you say. Your kids will do not what you say, but what you do. of a child's personality, 60% of the way they view life and the choices that they're going to make in life are determined by the first five years of their life. First five years. Those formative years are so important. If you got young kids today, I got to tell you, I got to tell you today, it's really important that we walk this out. We walk out lives as Christ followers of putting God first on our worship, of making his word the priority to be a witness. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, let your light so shine. Let your life so shine before men that they may glorify God by seeing your good works. Your kids see your life. They see your actions. They see the kind of life that you are living today. And so here's the deal. You can't force your kid. You can't force your kid. You can't fake your kid out, and you can't follow your kid everywhere they go. This has got to be internalized. And the number one thing that will determine your child's success and their spiritual walk with God, 
for most people, not for everyone, but for most people is the way that we walk out our life before them today. And so first, our first commitment is to living a Christ-centered life. Our second point this morning is going to be brought to us by Pastor Kristen Hayes, and I want you to welcome her as she comes to the City Church platform. Now, you guys might not know this, but this is my hero right here. This woman and her husband, they are incredible parents. And I remember when Doug came, he was 16, and you came not too long after that, and you got married, and and then years later, you started, I don't know how many years later, but you started having kids. And I've watched you now be a mom with four kids, on staff full time, living life. And I just got, I want you to know, you're my hero. And I am Thank so you. proud of you. And so I got a special shirt just for you and Doug today. <laughs> and so I want you to take, oh, I'm going to let you open. I was going to take it out for you, but I'm going to let can you take it? that shirt out. And I want you to take it out and open up for everybody to see. And then point it right at the camera back there so they can see it online. I hope I got the right shirt in here. What's it say? Put it up on the screen there. Where's you guys the see camera? that super mom? Okay. And now I'm going to let you go ahead and you can open. His, his is a little bit bigger there. He's okay. the big guy, right? He's, <laughs> he's the in kids' guy. church right he's, now. He's in kids' church over there right now. Super dad, super mom, and super dad. Hey, you guys, give your attention awesome. as Pastor Kristen talks. Pastor Kristen talks about our next point. Thank you, Pastor. All right. So um, we're going to go on to the H in our, our champ acrostic, and it's habits. Develop habits with your kids. Proverbs 22.6 says, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Throughout the Bible, God clearly explains that parents have the great privilege and the responsibility in shaping their, parent, their, their kids' spiritual lives. Another translation of this verse says, train them up in the way they should go. And so that's our job as parents. It's not the church's responsibility. It's not the kids' ministry department's responsibility. It is really important for you as a family to be coming here to church. And my team, we're definitely going to make a huge impact in your child's life, but not as big as the impact you're going to make. We just don't get enough hours with them. But you guys do on a daily basis. So as parents, what you value, your kids are going to value. And what you model for them, like Pastor was saying, they're going to follow that. And so as you're, you're modeling every day for them, they need to see what it looks like from you, um, what it is to have a relationship with Jesus, what it looks like to follow him every day, what it looks like to have his, uh, his grace and his forgiveness when we do mess up, because is there any other parents in here who mess up? We need God's grace and forgiveness, and we need to model what it looks like to go to God for that and, and depend on him. So as we're modeling it for him or for them, we need to take it a step further. We get that awesome privilege to take it a step further and train them up in it. Train them to have habits in their life that's going to allow them to grow spiritually. So I, I could spend the rest of the sermon just sharing on these different habits, but I narrowed it down just, just to a few for, for the purpose of this point. The habit of praying together. That is so important, to pray first. It's a core value here at City Church, and it should be a core value in all of our lives. Whatever the, the issue is, is, prayer is not just for mealtime with your kids, saying it right before you eat. We should be praying about anything and everything with our kids. And, and when your child is nervous the night before a big test, I know my kids get nervous when they know there's a really big test and they've been, they've been studying. We stop and we pray with our kids. When they're in a peer conflict and they're not getting along with a friend or even a sibling, we stop and we pray over it. And we make prayer a priority in our home. And uh, when we do that for our kids, when we show it is so important that we go to God first, we're not, we're not complaining first, we're not going to somebody else first, we're going to God first. We are teaching them as their parents, as their primary spiritual leader, that 
God is a great big God. He is mighty and bigger than any of our problems and that we can count on him. We can take the burden off our own shoulders and we can give it to him and we can trust him to work it out in our lives that we, he's gonna take good care of us. So we, we get that oppor opportunity to teach that to our kids when we pray together and we pray first. And another thing on this is um, when you're praying with your kids, God's gonna be answering prayers and your kids are gonna see that. And we've been praying for a friend of ours, and she's been going through a really hard time, and, and they know we've been praying. We, they've been praying, and I've been praying. We've been praying together. And, and we're starting to see God answer prayers big time in her life. And when my kids came home one day, and, and we were talking about it at dinner, they're like, Mommy, can you believe it? And I'm like, I know. It's so cool to see God answer our prayers and that God allows us the opportunity to not only pray about our own needs but the needs of others. So make prayer a habit in your home. Pray with your kids. The next one is the habit of family devotions. It's important as a family to set aside time to learn and grow together in God's word. And uh, when, when you do that, you, you're saying, okay, this is, doesn't just happen at church. It's not just a church time, but this is important in our home, our family. We're going to grow together in God's word. And ultimately, what you're teaching your child in this is the importance of them one day spending time with the Lord by themselves. You want them to develop that habit in their own lives. So as a family, you're modeling it, you're teaching it for them, what it means to go into God's word and, and study a topic and pray together and, and seek his face and also to sit quietly before him and, and hear his voice. You're training your kids in that so that when they get old enough, they're doing it on their own and they're seeking God by, by themselves on their own. One thing we do here at City Church is... To, to help you with devotion time at home, in case you don't, aren't aware of it, we purposely line up our messages so that what you're being taught here, Kids Church is learning about it too. Pretty much every week of the year, um, we, we are teaching the same thing in Kids Church and the same thing is being taught in the preschool rooms. And we're lining it up with our middle school group so that everybody here on campus can, can go home, you can go home as a family and you can carry the conversation on at home. Hey, this is what we learned in church. What did you take from it? What did you get from the message? And then you um, can talk about what does it mean for your family? How can you apply it to your everyday life at school, at work, at your home? Another thing we give you if you have an elementary kid, when you pick them up in kids' church, we give you this thing, what we call a parent cue. If you've never read it, please do. <laughs> we put this together for you every week. And what it does is it tells you what your child's learned in kids' church. So you can understand how we broke it down for them at their level. We give you some questions that you can answer or that you can ask at home to keep that conversation going. We give you sometimes activities or games to do to reinforce the learning, scripture verses that you can memorize as a family, some prayer points. So this is a valuable tool for you so that you guys can carry on not just the learning at church, but you're bringing it into your home as their spiritual leaders. And the last habit I want to talk about is the habit of small group. Getting your family involved in a family small group. This is really important for your family that you build a support system around you because as parents we have some challenging days and there's sometimes situations where we're like I don't know what to do and and it's really nice to have a support system around you that can help you other parents that are on that same journey that can speak life into you so you can be encouraged as a parent and I saw the value of this in my own life when I was a child my parents got involved in small groups and they would do Bible studies together with other families and it was like I had second moms and dads I had more brothers and sisters and we did life together and I had other parents pouring into me and, and holding me accountable. And I see the value now of that in 
my own kids' lives. We, uh, we surround our kids with other families and do life with them. In fact, this semester, my husband and I were leading a small group. It's called Flash Family Group. We have a picture of all of us. We have a pretty big group. And this is, um, we're, this is Flash. We're called Flash because we are so busy, we cannot decide on a certain day and time to meet regularly. So we get together in a flash. We, I'll email out our group and say, hey, in, in a couple of days, we're going to meet on this day, and we're going to meet at this location, and we're going to go and do this together. And it's, it's been so much fun. I know some of you, I see some of your faces in here, and we, we've been meeting. And we... Um, we're meeting new families. We're coming together and we're growing together. We're talking about our kids. Our kids are playing and getting, getting to know each other. And we're caring for one another. We're, we're um, connecting with one another. And it's just been a valuable thing for my family's life. So I encourage you, get your family involved in a small group. And I want to close this point with what I said earlier. What you value, your kids will value. This is uh, my three-year-old. We're going to put a picture up on the screen. This is my three-year-old, and yeah, he's crying. And he's not throwing a typical tantrum in this picture. This was on a Tuesday morning, and we were eating breakfast together. And he turned to me, and he said, Mommy, tonight after dinner, are we going to church? And I said, no, baby, we're not. It's, that's tomorrow night. There's no church tonight. Well, he just started crying and crying for like a good five minutes. He was so bummed that there was no church that night. And he was still processing it on the, on the ride to school. I saw him in the mirror like, quietly looking out the window. He folds his arms and he goes, I am going to church tonight. <laughs> and this is, this is who he is. He loves Jesus this is him in his element. You can see a, a picture of him. He loves Jesus. He loves singing about him. He loves learning about him. He loves coming to church. He would be here every day if he could. And this is where he wants to be. He's in the, the City Kids Sound booth in that, in that picture right there. But let me tell you, parents, this doesn't happen by accident. This is because we are intentional about how we're raising our kids. We value what matters What's most important to God, we value that in our home, and we show it for our kids. We are helping them develop habits of growing spiritually in, in the Lord. And so I, I encourage you to develop these habits for your own family. The foundation of everything we do is God's authority. Everyone say authority. And so we're responsible to teach our children to obey authority. Now, in our culture today, obeying authority, that's like an anthema. I mean, there is such resistance, and, and for good reason. Authority has been abused by political leaders, by spiritual leaders. People have said one thing. People in authority have said one thing, and they've lived another kind of life. And because of that, the tendency for people in our culture is to question authority, resist authority, reject authority, criticize authority, put down authority. And you see it everywhere you go. A lot of the social issues that we have in our culture are a direct result of a misunderstanding of the proper use and coming under or obedience to authority. But God has instituted authority. In Luke chapter 2, the Bible says that then he, Jesus, returned to Nazareth with his parents and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. But I want you to underline this. It says Jesus was obedient to them. The word obedient, the word obey in the Greek, it literally means to listen attentive, attentively or to come up underneath. Come up underneath with a heart to listen and a heart to hear. Our children aren't prone to obey on their own. 
Inside of that sweet, beautiful, little chubby chase, 10-month-old, there is a Dr. Jekyll and Mrs. Hyde. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, the foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Foolishness. Our children do foolish things. They make bad decisions. That little game show, what are things that kids will do that a parent's kids can get away with? Well, I don't, you know, now hopefully that's true. But the fact is there are things that kids do that we just, we think is kind of cute. And it is kind of cute on its own. But if we fail to recognize that if we don't have proper structures of authority for their life, it's going to be a challenge. The things that we talked about earlier, the, the children going haywire, the, the children rejecting your authority and other people's authority in their life. See, as a parent, I have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to train my child, to teach my child that I am the boss. I'm the parent. I do set the boundaries and the parameters of what we do and what we don't do. And we just had a couple of things when our children were growing up. There were a couple of things. One, one that I require, we required first-time obedience. When we told our child to do, do something, we expected that they would do it. Now, that isn't easy. That's not easy with a two-year-old. I, I understand that. And if your child's 15 years old and you're still trying to apply some of these things and it's not internalized, you need to start over. You need to work on relationship and go back to relationship before you lay down rules. Because if you try, to, you try to get your child to do something as a teenager and you've been all messed up in the way you've been trying to parenting and they're already off doing their own thing and you can't follow them and you can't control them and they're making bad choices, you just need to go back to the reset button. And you need to have a face-to-face -face with that teenager or that young person and say, you know what, I messed up, but I want to start over. I really want to be your parent. I want to come alongside. I realize that you're not a little child anymore, and, and I can't be with you, but we can have a relationship. And your child wants that. Your child is screaming for that relationship. For you to put a bunch of hardline rules on a teenager who's already gone sideways, I can tell you, you're just creating more problems. You're digging a bigger hole. But when your child is little, you're teaching them very clearly, you're the boss. I'm the boss, and I set the rules, and I know what's best for you. And I require that you obey me. And as your children are little and as they respond correctly, I mean, even when my children were little, we required that they keep the right attitude. We had a little happy button in our home. We would tell, they would get all sour and they would start to pout. And, and I would come up, I say, where's the button? Come on, where's the, everyone just, everyone find your button right there and push your happy button. Come on, just push it for me real quick. I want to see everybody push their happy button. Come on. Attitude is a choice. The attitude that your child has, they can choose an attitude. They can choose the way that they are going to react or respond to you. And so it was really cool in our family. I mean, it was really clear in our family. We gave clear instructions. We did our best to be consistent. I can tell you, my sons are 21 and 26. I can't remember a time that I ever harshly spanked them or did something in their life out of complete anger. Not one time. I had been abused as a child. My father had other issues in his life. My father was a detached father for most of my growing up years, and, and I know what that was. I, I experienced that in my life, and I made a commitment to myself that I wouldn't treat my children that way. Did I discipline them? Absolutely. And, and you know, your kids, they just come out hardwired different. You know that, right? Like, like you could spank Austin, and he would still just, like, dig in and got that. And Keenan would, like, he was too smart for that. He could see all the spankings that Austin got when he was, like, five and six. And he's like, no, nah, I'm not going to go. Now, listen, if you don't think spankings for you, that's fine. 
And in our family, it seemed to work pretty well. We had an age that we didn't have to do it anymore. Once our kids got to be five, six, seven, I mean, Keenan, he told me all the times that I spanked him, and I couldn't even remember spanking him one time. I think it was just a figment of his imagination. <laughs> but Keenan, just the threat of something possibly happening in his world caused him to write up. He was just not going to get caught, if anything. So your children are going to come out different, and you have to have different ways of responding. But our discipline was consistent. We, we did our best to be loving and not harsh, to be realistic. You're not going to have perfect kids. They're going to spill stuff, draw on walls, scratch the side of your car. They're going to do things. It's going to happen in your world. you got to be realistic. And here's the deal. All this is based on your relationship with them. you got to have It's the love factor. It's the relationship factor, keeping your kids close, doing your best to have conversations about the difficult and challenging things in their life. I realized in my life that this, this was working when my son Austin was 17 years old and he was a senior at Oviedo High School and he had been in ROTC and he, he had invited us to go to this ball that the ROTC had at that time. And I remember when I stood there and they took this picture, something inside of me just turned, and I realized that my son had went from being a child to becoming a man. And I saw the decisions that he was making and the kind of life, and it had been internalized. It had been internalized in his life. He understood authority. He understood the authority of government. He understood the role of school and teachers. He, he, he understood his responsibility with his family to obey his parents and also his local church. And here's the, you need the local church. We have a local church. We have a youth pastor and a children's pastor and a middle school pastor and a college and career leader. We are committed to seeing your children become champions for God, all of us, every one of us. It's our primary goal. It's the drive of our church. And let me tell you today, let me tell you today, I didn't do it on my own. There was other people speaking into their lives. There were deacons in our church that were speaking into their lives. There were Sunday school teachers and children's workers that were speaking into their life. And when Austin and Keenan, they were about 12 years of age, Pastor Glenn put them on the worship team. And I remember his inter interaction and dialogue with them as he was teaching and training them to become musicians in the house of God. See, my goal, my desire for my kids is not that they would be someone else's bummer or someone else's problem. But my desire and dream in raising a champion for God is that my kid would be someone else's blessing, someone else's hope, someone else's encouragement. And as a parent today, that responsibility of teaching our children authority and how to submit, how to come up underneath is so vital. I want to say it again. I want to say it again. If you're a parent, if you're a parent of a teenager and of a middle schooler and it's really complicated right now, just hang on. Just hang on. Don't quit. Keep doing the right thing. Keep being the parent. Keep loving. Love covers a multitude of sins. Work on your relationship with that child. Sit down with that child. Do your best to reconnect and to build that relationship. Is meaningful moments. Create meaningful moments. Sephaniah 3.17 says, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. God is our Father, and he models for us what it looks like to be a great parent. He loves us. He rejoices over us. He takes delight in us. And he wants us to be that same way with our own kids. He wants us to enjoy them. They're blessings from him. And, and so we need to love them and, and have fun with them and, and delight in them. 
And I know like we, we are, as parents, we're so busy. We have work and then there's homework and after school activities, there's getting dinner on the table, laundry done. Like I know the task is like endless some days, but now more than ever, we have to be intentional with creating moments in our kid's life that will be meaningful and impactful. And so what this might look like for you, um, you know, it's taking time with your child. If you have more than one child, this is, you know, taking one-on-one time with your child where you are doing something special with them and you are showing them how special they are. You, you are saying to them, I value you. I'm not too busy. I value you and, and I want to know you more and I want to build our bond and, and, and just see who you are. It's taking that time and looking at what their interests are seeing the gifts that God has put in them and, and start affirming them and, and, and developing them in those moments. And so a, a meaningful moment could be taking your child out on a, a special outing, a special date. Uh, let them pick the restaurant. Let them pick what you did. I know when Shay was five years old, he, one of these little dates, he took me to the playground. And we played and ran all around that playground playing freeze tag and whatever he wanted to do. It was his night. And so we, we did that. But it can also be as simple as you involving them in your everyday tasks. You got to do certain things anyway. Why not involve them and let them spend that time with you? So for our older two, they love helping Doug outside. They love washing the car and doing yard work or whatever it might be. And our younger two, they, they love helping me at dinner time. So they wanna, I'll take one of them each night and they'll pull a chair up to the counter and they're helping me make um, preparations for dinner. And if you're a little OCD, you kind of got to let it go because it's going to get a little messy. <laughs> it's going to take a little bit longer. But so many valuable things happen in those moments as you're raising your champion. And I, I love the way my husband does this. We have two boys, and he pours into them constantly, and he's raising them up to be godly men. And, and they're going to make incredible husbands and fathers one day. And, and our one son, Shay, he's seven years old, and he wants to be just like Doug. He follows him around, and he wants to step up to the plate and, and just kind of just be who Doug is, be like Doug. And, and Doug sees that in him, and he sees the, the potential and who he's becoming. And, and so he takes moments with him. When it's trash night, he's like, hey, Shay, go grab the trash cans out of the bathroom and bring them up here. And, and, and Shay, he's on it. He is getting those trash cans like nobody's business, and he's like, here, here, Daddy, I got the trash. And he's so proud, and it's taking those moments with him. And as his mom... I'm seeing the results already. It is so incredible when you take that time with your kids. There was this one night where Doug was busy with a project he was doing, and he, he had a saw out, and he was cutting wood, and he couldn't stop. And I was doing this special project, and then I realized I needed Doug for it. I couldn't get something, and it was difficult for me. So I was like, well, we'll just wait. And Shay steps up, and he's like, no, Mommy, I can do this. Let me, please, please let me try. Let me do it. And I said, okay. Give it a try. Go for it. And he worked at it with all his heart, and he accomplished what I needed it to be done. And we were high-fiving, and I'm like, man, Shay, you're like my second man in this house. You, you are so good. I'm so proud of you. And the next morning, he's, he's still beaming about it. And he comes to me, and he says, you know what, Mommy? I am like your second man. And if Daddy were to die, I'm going to take care of you. I got you, Mommy. And, and then I think he saw the look on my face, and he's like, don't worry, Mommy. Daddy is not going to die. <laughs> and, and so it's, it's taking those moments with your child. Don't neglect the times where they can just come alongside of you and, and, and just be involved in those different moments where you can pour into your child. You can connect and, and build a, a stronger bond with your child and just really help them to become those champions for God. And our last letter is P, process life with them. 
Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 19 says, so commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. God wants us to have spiritual conversations with our kids as a part of our everyday normal interaction with them. And as we raise champions for God, it's, it's helping our kids process everything through the lens of God and giving them a biblical perspective on all kinds of situations as we guide them. So this is not a one-time conversation. This is ongoing, and it begins when they're younger. When, if you have little ones, when they come to you and something's a really big deal in their world, don't just brush it aside. What's a big deal to them? Make it a big deal to you. Show them that, that you really care about the things that matter to them. And when you do that, you're building a relationship of trust. And so later down the road, when the really big stuff does happen, you've got that relationship where, where they know that they can come to you and, and you are there for them. So what does it look like to process things with your kids? It is really simple. It's being intentional. It's taking everyday situations, wherever you are, whatever comes your way, whatever you walk into in life as you go about your day, and talking them out with your kids as appropriate to their age and the maturity level, and then bringing God's perspective into it. So the other night, we were leaving a restaurant. We, we had just finished eating dinner, and we had walked outside and there was a lady standing outside and she was smoking and she was coughing and coughing and coughing and it was obviously a condition of her being a smoker and and we've already had a conversation with our kids they're aware of different things and they've asked questions and we've had conversations about making healthy choices for our lives and and that smoking cigarettes is not a healthy choice and and so they they kind of understand that a little bit more and they they looked at this lady with such compassion as she was coughing and and she noticed and and she she's got a cigarette in hand and she looks at them and she goes babies don't ever do what I'm doing. Don't you ever start smoking. Promise me you do not want to end up like me. Promise me you won't do this. And, and they look at her, and they're like, okay, okay. And we, we tell her to have a good night. We walk to our car. Well, you better believe they had a zillion questions. <laughs> like, why, Mommy, in the world is, is she continuing to smoke and, and do that if she knows it's harmful? And it was just a, a natural continuation of the conversation we were having. And then we, we began to take it a little bit further. And, and our older two, with their understanding, okay, we started opening the, the talk about addictions and how bad habits can be harmful for us. And, and we talked about that. We took the opportunity with the compassion God's put in their heart to pray over this lady. And so processing situations is, is taking unplanned moments in your family's life and, and talking them out with your kids and helping them see the, the perspective that God has on it and how he wants us to walk forward in faith. And, and pastor's going to talk a little bit more about this. The psalmist declared, we will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonder. We are telling the next generation about the power of our God and the glorious deeds of our God. And that inside of your child is greatness. Inside of your child is a hardwired DNA to have a relationship with God and to love him to love people, and to fulfill the purpose for which he's created them. Here's the deal, guys. Here's the deal. We can do our part, but unless you're committed to the purpose of Christ in your life, it's a great challenge for your kids. The habits that we develop are the things that we do in our life, the authority and the way that we personally respond to the authority in our life, whether it's church, whether it's our jobs, whether it's government, school, whatever environment we're in, it's a direct reflection of what attitudes our children will develop. 
those, those, uh, that sense of moments in our life with our children. You'll, re- you'll blink, and before you know it, your kids are getting married. Be- before you know it, you'll have grad- grandkids. Some of you have already experienced in life, and life goes quick. And you have an opportunity right now, right in this moment, to make a difference. You have a moment right now to be the model, to be the model that God's called you to be. You have this opportunity to learn, to be mentored, to get books. We, we have some books that we wanted to recommend, be great resources. The, there's a book by Dr. Tim Kimmel, Kimmel called Grace Paint, Grace-Based Parenting. We've actually done that class here. I would encourage you, if you're a small group leader, do this in your small group. Dr. James Dobson wrote a book called The Strong-Willed Child, and maybe you have a really resistant child. This would be a great book for you to get resource to. And then uh, the book that Pastor Kristen recommends is Talk Now and Later. Talk about the difficult topics and subjects that are in our world and our culture and our generation today. And so get mentored, get, get knowledge, get information. Jesus grew in wisdom and knowledge and favor with God and man. And the last point, the last, the last, we got the last one up there, put it up there. I forgot what the last M was there. Guys, help me out there. He took it down. What's the last point? Look for meaningful moments this week. You're a parent here today. You're a grandparent. I want to pray for you. Just raise your hand right where you're at. Come on, I just want to pray for you today. I want everyone to close their eyes this morning. We're going to take just a moment, and I want to pray for you today. I, we don't want to over, we've, over, we've given you a lot of information today. There's some great material for you to go back and review, but I know God's grace is efficient. We all feel inadequate. We all fall short of the glory. There's only one perfect father. There's only one perfect father. And the Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of our father praying for us today. And as Jesus is praying for you and your family and your marriage and your kids, I'm going to come into an agreement with Jesus' prayer. Father, I thank you today that I can come through you, through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Jesus, I link my prayer with your prayer for the families and the parents that are here today. God, for the single moms that are here today, for the the parents, the couple that's here today that's struggling in their relationship with, with one another or with their child, I pray that you will strengthen them. For the grandparents today that have some influence, I I pray, Lord, that you'll give them wisdom and dropping deposits of grace in these grandchildren's lives. We thank you for the call of God in this church to raise champions for you. And I bless these parents in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.